Hello and welcome into another episode of Lockdown Wolves. Today on the show, we're talking all about Leonard Miller, the number 33 pick in the draft, the player who the Timberwolves traded up or traded back into, acquired a second second round pick to acquire. I want to break down his draft profile, why so many experts think this could be a steal for Minnesota, and also the comparison points uh, between he and former Timberwolf Jared Vanderbilt. What's the floor and ceiling look like? What's the future role for Leonard Miller? It's all on the show. Welcome in. You are Lockdown Wolves. You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Happy Hump Day. Hopefully you're having a fantastic week. This episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. A big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms, wherever you like to listen to podcasts, you can find Lockdown Wolves. You can also watch this show on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV, along with all the other Lockdown podcasts uh, from the state of Minnesota. More great local sports coverage 24-7 for free. Again, download the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app today on either Roku or Amazon Fire TV. You can also follow me on Twitter at Lockdown T-Wolves or uh, at my account, which is at B Beacon, and that's with two B's, two E's, CK. Yet. All right, plenty to get to this week. I want to talk Summer League towards the end of the week. Friday is the first Summer League game for the Wolves, and then they don't play again until Monday. So we'll spend some time. We'll probably split between Thursday and Friday talking about some Summer League stuff, uh, what to look out for. And we'll spend a lot of next week's shows uh, doing, you know, not full uh, post game pods necessarily. I mean, there'll be full pods, but it may not be quite the same format as a regular season uh, post game pod. But we'll do all that next week. It'll be fun to get back on on uh, you know that that train doing some post game shows. So that'll be the next few days. Today, I want to focus back in on Leonard, Leonard Miller. Um, I didn't get the chance to do a full show on him after the draft, which were now was a couple of weeks ago, uh, which is crazy. But there's so much that's happened in between, between cat rumors and conversations and, of course, free agency and, and having Howard Beck on the show. And like there's just been a lot to unpack over the last couple of weeks. And so I want to get back in a little bit in a bit of a post-draft analysis, because now Leonard Miller isn't a draft prospect, he's on the Timberwolves roster. So what did he look like as a prospect? Like what's the what's the prospect profile? What should he provide? What were some of the experts saying about him? And also there's been a couple of articles written about him after the fact too. And then also what's his role look like moving forward? What's his potential floor and ceiling with the Wolves? And I know I mentioned in my first post-draft podcast, uh, the comp that I like to Jared Vanderbilt, a, a recent former Timberwolf, a fan favorite, and somebody who meant a lot to the Wolves team in 21-22 that won 47 games and uh, took Memphis to, to a game six in the first round. Um, I think the ceiling is certainly higher, and I want to talk a little more about that later and why I believe that's the case. So that's basically what we're doing today. It's going to be a complete Leonard Miller discussion. So I want to start with um, some of the stuff some of the, I guess, reasoning behind why he was such a, a savvy pick at number 33 and why it was perfect that the Timberwolves traded back in, or I keep saying traded in, they already had a second round pick, but traded, they had 57, right? But um, how the, we're sorry, 53, but how the Wolves also acquired 33 um, to pick up, uh, to pick up Leonard Miller or, or why that was such a savvy move. So, um, 
after the draft, there was a piece written by uh, over at CBS Sports uh, by James Herbert, and this was all about Leonard Miller. The headline is Wolves Leonard Miller is the development story of G League Ignite's dreams, and he's just getting revved up. It's a fantastic piece. I'm not going to just like regurgitate too much of it here, um, but I want to read a couple of excerpts, a couple of quotes in here. It's it's a really fun read all about how Leonard Miller was if you know the story, he actually was part of the 2022 draft process, had only played prep ball in Canada, didn't play a super difficult level of competition at all, and was part of the draft process, got the feedback that like, hey, you're not going to get picked. Uh, you'd be better off going to the G League. So he decided to play in the G League last year, came in really raw. And because again, he had didn't play collegiate basketball. He played for, uh, you know, a lower level competition, high school and then prep school, AAU uh, style ball in Canada, but not even like top flight AEU competition. So he came into the G League not ready really to play against grown men and um, struggled at the start of the year. But as the year wore on, he was really, really, really impressive. And um, I mean, we, we talked a little bit about where his stats, what his stats looked like in the second half of the year um, uh, in the post-draft pod, but I'll just rattle these off real quick. This is in the article. 11 games after, I think it was after the All-Star break. Is that right? If I can find the right, the actual excerpt. Um, 11 games, uh, let's see. Yeah, 11 games post-All-Star break. Leonard Miller for the G League Ignite averaged 20.7 points, 13 rebounds, 2.3 assists, 1.2 blocks, and a steal per game and shot 56% from the field. And he was playing close to full games. He improved his conditioning during the season. There's some some stuff in the article about how he uh, went out of his way to do work on top of regular practice. And, and by the way, an aside here quickly, this is one of the major benefits of playing in the G League versus going to college for a year. And I think we're starting to see this already is players like, hey, I'm not going to get paid a whole ton. And yes, now you can get paid to play in college too with the NIL stuff, right? But you're a professional basketball player if you play in the G League. That's your job. You're not also going to class. You're not also you know, being part of this larger machine that is college basketball. Um, you get to work on your craft every day. And if that's truly what you want to do and you love it and you want to get to the NBA, that's your opportunity to do it. And so he, on top of the regular workouts and practices that came with the G League Ignite, he did other stuff to work on his conditioning and his skill level. So he was playing, his average minutes per game went up and up and up and up as the season wore on. He had a late season game that he played 38 minutes and at 18 points and 21 rebounds. There's a quote in there from a teammate about how crazy it is for somebody to have more than 20 rebounds. Of course, Wolves fans, uh, you know, many of you probably saw Kevin Love, 30-30 game, you know, uh, geez, I don't know, 15 years ago now. Um, but anyway, for Isaiah or Isaiah, um, Leonard Miller to, to grab 20 rebounds in a game, um, is pretty incredible. And it, yeah, he's almost six ten, Like he's basically a, a power forward, but, uh, that that's going to be his position at the NBA level, but still that's impressive for somebody who, who there were questions about how could he play against grown men, especially even early last season with his build, with his inexperience against, playing against professional basketball players or even top level collegiate type basketball players. There were a lot of questions and he answered a lot of those as the year went on. There's some quotes from Scoot Henderson uh, during the media availability before the draft. He said, I think Leonard Miller should be here basically talking about, not basically talking about him being in the green room before the draft. He says, quote, his game is very, very crazy. He's a seven foot guard that can do everything. I'm not being biased. He was my teammate. He was my boy, but Leonard Miller is a special talent, a special talent that the world hasn't seen before. And when he gets in there, he's going to shock a lot of people. That's Scoot Henderson, of course, the uh, the third overall pick, talking about him. 
Um, but Miller's, he's not actually seven foot, right? He's like six ten, but he's got a seven two wingspan. He's got big hands. Um, he's really good with both, uh, with both hands, both dribbling and passing the ball. And he's so skilled all the way around. But beyond all of that, all these, and this isn't the only, by the way, piece you can find out there that was written after the draft or around the time of the draft about Leonard Miller and how impressive of a person he is. There's also some quotes in here from the general manager of the G League Ignite, Anthony McClish. He says, quote, teammates are going to like him. Coaches are going to like him. Trainers are going to like him. Fans are going to love him. My family loves him. It says uh, the general manager had shooting competitions with staffers, or he says Miller had shooting competitions with staffers after games and played poker with them on the road. He said, quote, he's the type of person that you'd want voluntarily to hang with in your life. And then he said uh, some of the guys that were drafted in the lottery in past years, it's not even close to how he feels about Leonard Miller. And that's significant. This is the guy that put together the G League Ignite. Um, He says, then I'm paraphrasing now, but he talks about how a bunch of players come in and think they're the best at something. And then they can't find a role. But Leonard Miller has realized he had a lot to improve on and found a role very quickly, improved in a lot of areas that he needed to. And uh, Hakeem Warwick, the long-term NBA player, is an assistant coach for the Ignite, talks about how uh, about how Miller listens. He doesn't think he knows everything. And that matters a lot. Like that type of character matters, especially for a player who, again, did not play in college, doesn't have this, like he hasn't been a name as like somebody to look out for for several years. He's kind of come out of nowhere in the past year plus. And for all of these like intangibles off-court things to come through, the personality traits, all that stuff's important. And he's not going to be handed a role. We'll talk about that here in a minute. He's not going to be handed a role from day one in the NBA either. So he's got to be happy to, you know, maybe not be happy to be coming off the bench, but understand that he's going to be outside the rotation looking in at the start of the year. Play that role, uh, whatever that might be. If it's being the 11th or 12th guy and only playing in mop-up situations and bouncing back and forth to the G League or whatever that looks like, character matters when you're in that position and the way that you handle that. Um, and, and the way that you hopefully develop your game. So I want to talk more about that later. Next, though, I do want to talk about the Vanderbilt comparison a little bit more in depth. Look at some of the notes on Jared Vanderbilt as a draft prospect and compare both both of them as prospects and also what Vando's turned into as an NBA player compared to what I think Leonard Miller will be or, or very well could be as an NBA player himself. So we'll do all that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends at FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 You can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run in a game. All all that is on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. A big thank you once again for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, every dayers, uh, we're going to keep talking draft picks. I want to talk a little more Jalen Clark at some point, although he's not going to play very likely at all next year. So uh, we have a little more time to talk about him. But then I also want to get into some summer league stuff Thursday, Friday this week, and then a lot of next week will be uh, covered discussing the Las Vegas summer league and the Timberwolves entry in said summer league. So stay tuned for all that. All right. Um, Related to Leonard Miller and also to former Timberwolf Jared Vanderbilt, uh, I think I think this is a 
I, I think I'm the only person I've seen making this comparison, but a lot of this jumps out to me, right? I talked uh, after the draft about a lot of the rate-based stats of Miller in his you know, year in the G League and Vanderbilt in his very limited period of time at Kentucky um, and how those, those rate-based stats, again, different sample sizes, different league, I, I get it, but they each were essentially one-and-done players in 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 a sense. Um, I mean, they were. So there's there are some parallels there. And I think a lot of what Miller does now is similar to what Jared Vanderbilt does in the NBA. But I think the ceiling for Miller is higher. And I'll explain what I mean here in a second. So Jared Vanderbilt coming into this was uh, this was actually coming into Kentucky. I found the Draft Express uh, write up on Vanderbilt. So this is actually like before he played at Kentucky, but after he'd committed. It talked about how uh, basically his measurements and his athleticism and his body type and all that stuff makes sense for a modern four. He was six foot nine, seven one wingspan. What do we say about Miller? Six ten, seven two wingspan. Slightly higher standing reach. Slightly bigger hands. Um, uh, Miller's got a better lower body, a better lower body strength, which matters on the glass too. Um, so, but the build type is very very similar. Vanderbilt, excellent instinct. I'm reading out from the Draft Express. Uh, Scouting report from him for 2017. Excellent instincts on the glass. 14 and a half rebounds per 40 minutes. Great timing. Crashes hard, quick to the ball. Uh, playmaking forward who's best in the open floor, but also capable in the half court. Lifetime four assists per 40 minutes. High risk, high reward passer. Comfortable straight line slasher in the half court. Can attack a closeout. All of those things, the instincts on the glass, playmaking forward who's best in the open floor, but can do it in the half court. And also as a slasher or cutter in the half court, that's those are all things you could go to a Leonard Miller uh, scouting report and see all of that as well. In fact, here's a scouting report. This is the Box in One Substack. Uh, Box in One, by the way, they do great videos as well uh, about prospects on YouTube. But this is from their website. He says uh, Miller is a bizarro offensive piece, six ten and skilled. His positive impact begins with his defensive rebounding. He flies all over the place to snatch balls in and out of his area. He loves to push tempo, got a great motor, will sprint the floor without the ball in his hands, loves getting out in transition, can be a rim runner, loves transition and open floor. It's where his tools pop the most. Half court is an underdeveloped part of his arsenal right now. According to Synergy, 27% of Leonard Miller's total points came in transition this season in the G League. So a lot of similarities there. Vanderbilt. Draft Express profile, a near non-shooter, but has made a slight improvement to his shooting stroke. I think this is another area where, where the, the ceiling is much higher for Leonard Miller. We know Vando has not developed into a jump shooter at the NBA level. Yes, there's been moments where he's been dangerous from the, well, dangerous is strong. He's been good from the corners, but he's still a non-shooter. Miller isn't a good shooter right now either, but the touch around the rim, the hands, we'll get into some of those things, I think are all better than Vando had as a prospect and has now currently as an NBA rotation player. So I think that's where the upside comes in. The weaknesses are similar. Fluid athlete, but not a freak leaper. That's Vando. Could say the same about Miller. I think maybe he's got a little more athleticism. Limited perimeter shooter, Vando. Say the same about Miller. Uh, struggles making shots from the perimeter. Handicaps him as a scorer in the half court. Defenders can sag off. He won't pull up off the bounce. Again, I think Miller's a little better here already. Even if the percentages aren't impressive, he's more willing to do it than Vanderbilt ever was. Again, the Vanderbilt scouting report. Touch around the rim, quite limited, very left-handed. This is an area where uh, Miller has a clear advantage. He, I don't, know, I don't know that he's actually ambidextrous, but he can use both hands pretty much interchangeably around the rim and dribbling and passing. Has very, very good touch around the rim. Um, Vando, sometimes a flashover substance passer, can be turnover prone. Absolutely the case for Miller. So 
there's basically no area that you would say Vanderbilt had an advantage over Miller as a draft prospect. It took Vanderbilt two plus years to to crack into a rotation at the NBA level. Um, I would argue he was even he was every bit as raw after playing what eighteen games I think at the University of Kentucky because of injuries and had some injuries his first couple years as a pro too. There's a lot of similarities between these guys as profile as uh, as prospects, but you would say that Miller has. Uh, Better use of both hands in every way, dribbling, passing, touch around the rim, better overall touch, better comfortability with pulling up off the dribble and shooting, even if the results are not all that much better than Vanderbilt's. All of those areas, he's better. Um, and I don't think there's any question that Miller could jump into the league now and do a lot of, you know, what, what, uh, well, I shouldn't say jump into the league necessarily, but what, what he projects as now is very similar to what Vando projected at. As this at this point, um, you know, shortly after or before he was getting drafted, um, the one area I would say Vando might have an edge in would be individual defense. I think Miller's is spotty enough at this point uh, that he. I mean, I talked about this a couple weeks ago after he was selected. I think there a lot of coaching needs to happen related to defensive technique, how to stay in front of guys, um, you know, where to be at the right time, just knowing the timing on help defense, but, but really point of attack defense, fighting through screens, staying in front of guys is the biggest thing. And Vando improved dramatically at that as well. I just think at this stage as a rookie or as a prospect, Vando was, was maybe a little bit ahead of Miller, but going back to my point from last week, there's so many similarities, steal rate, block rate, uh, rebound rate, the do stuff, do stuff ability, right? I coined that the other day on the show. That's Vando has that, and the Wolves missed it last year. Leonard Miller has that. And we'll talk here in a minute about his role. I don't think he's going to get much of an opportunity to contribute that to the 2023-24 Timberwolves. But in a year or two, just like it took with Vanderbilt, it took a minute, Leonard Miller can provide those things. The steal rate, the block rate, the rebound rate, the athleticism, the length, um, the ability and willingness to wreak havoc in the open floor and especially on defense to to turn defense into offense, to ignite transition opportunities, which are areas that the Wolves really struggled in last year. And Miller's ability in the open floor, dribbling the ball, passing the ball, is, I mean, I think it's easy to forget Vando had the ability to do some of that stuff too. He wasn't asked to do it much in Minnesota. Um, and he didn't have very good hands. I think Miller's got better hands. I think he'll catch lobs better. I think he'll catch out a pick and roll better. Um I think the floor for Isaiah Miller is probably pretty close to a Jared Vanderbilt type player. And that's project. I mean, Vando's a really good player right now. He's a big part of the Lakers at this point, Um, was a massive part of the Wolves team a year and a half ago. So maybe that's projecting out a bit too aggressively, but I think his floor is a Vando-esque player, like an eighth, ninth rotation guy, third or fourth big um, and I think his ceiling is is probably a starting caliber player, almost like a point forward type guy from the four. If he can figure out the jump shot, that's going to be the key, right? The, the the physical profile is there. It seems like the want to, the work ethic, all of the things that you need to become a good defender, the, the size and skill is there. And the size and skill offensively is there too. It's just really the jumper is going to be the difference between him being a solid, you know, fringe rotation guy uh, to maybe becoming a... a like a really good super, you know, sixth man type um, player that has to be part of your rotation every night to maybe becoming a starter. I think there's a wide range of possibilities, but the floor for me at number 33, that's a really impressive type of player to get at that stage in the draft to, to really kind of know that you've got somebody that can handle rotation minutes very likely in the next year or two. All right. I do want to talk about that. Like what does the, 
What does the future look like for Miller? How quickly could he crack, crack the rotation? When will we see regular Leonard Miller minutes? Is there a chance it's this year? Um, or what do the next couple of years look like with him on the Wolves roster? So we'll do all that here next. All right, so the Timberwolves rotation now, we talked a lot about this on Tuesday's show. If you missed it, uh, if you missed it on the holiday, please go back and listen to the July 4th show. I talked a lot about the rotation, essentially what the first and second units look like right now. But basically, we know the starters are Mike Conley, Anthony Edwards, Jade McDaniels, Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert. Your next five in some order in terms of guys that are going to see minutes um, are Kyle Anderson, uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Nas Reed, Troy Brown Jr. and Shake Milton. That's kind of your top 10. There's there's not a whole lot of wiggle there. Jordan McLaughlin's probably 11. And then I would have to say that that very likely Josh Minot is your next guy. He's probably 11th or 12th, um, depending on matchups, fall trouble, et cetera. Josh Minot, I think, I'm going to do a whole show on him in the next couple of weeks, at some point this offseason. Minot's going to have a role, I think, at some point this year. I think of Miller in a similar way, similar to what Josh Minot was last year. I think that actually Miller's got a higher ceiling because of some of the offensive tools that he has, the passing, the 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 ball handling. But Minot can have a bigger impact earlier. I think Minot could be better than Jared Vanderbilt in terms of level of impact. And I'm speaking in generalities now. It's not like a really one specific one-to-one comparison. But just in terms of on-court impact, Josh Minot right now is there. I think it's going to take Leonard Miller a minute to get there. Um, but... I think of them similarly in terms of what they bring to the table, the ability to just do stuff, to get deflections, to jump passing lanes, to get on the floor, get for 50-50 balls, to rebound the uh, the steal rate, the block rate, the rebound rate, all those things that so many Wolves players last year failed to do. We saw Anthony Edwards improve on the glass, but we saw other guys like, uh, you know, Torian Prince did not do those extra things. Jordan McLaughlin did not do those extra things that we were used to him doing. The Wolves didn't have the Patrick Beverly, the Jared Vanderbilt. That's the type of role that Leonard Miller is going to play. I think Josh Minot's ahead of him on the depth chart, and rightfully so next year. They're not identical players. Again, to be clear, Miller's got a higher ceiling because of some of the the, the skill stuff, um, the 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 ball handling, the passing. I think even the shooting looks a little better, even if Minot's results are a little bit better. I think the upside for Miller is greater. But Minot can step right in now and do do the extra things, right? Do the things that this Wolves team is missing. Grab a rebound, defend. Uh, we saw him do that a couple of times last year where he he played some defensive possessions at the end of quarters. Uh, we saw him one or two games where he was actually in the rotation because of injuries and illnesses and the whole thing. So I, I think Miller and Minot are going to have similar roles. We just see Minot ahead of Miller on the depth chart. So Minot's probably the 12th guy. Miller might be 13th. Um, I mean, the only other player really under contract besides Luca Gars on the two ways, Wendell Moore Jr. So somewhere in there, Minot's, Minot and Miller are both going to be uh, biding their time to to get an opportunity. Now, if the Wolves are getting killed on the glass, like say Cat misses a game or Rudy misses a game or one of these guys is in bad foul trouble and Nas isn't holding his own on the glass, you're going to see Josh Minot minutes. You might see uh, Leonard Miller minutes. You might see one of those guys come in if the Wolves need a board and they're just getting murdered on the glass. That's something that I wanted Chris Finch to do more of last year. And, and obviously... Finch is much closer to like what these guys are doing in practice and like um, how engaged these guys are, what they look like in the G League. Like some of these other things, I, I, w- I would never say that like we have to admit the coaching staff has all of this information and sees the full picture. But strictly from the outside looking in, if you look at the games where the Wolves are just getting murdered on the defensive glass or or I guess 
the offensive glass for the opponent. They're just getting murdered second chance opportunities for opposing teams. A lot of times it was, uh, I was, you know, kind of wondering like, hey, why, why is Josh Minot not getting a chance here? Why are the Wolves not trying to do something a little bit different? Uh, we're just watching Torian Prince and Kyle Anderson and Jaden McDaniels just get crushed on the glass. And, you know, Rudy's doing his best. And, you know, Nas was a little bit better last year on the glass than he'd been in previous years, but he's still a pretty average rebounder in terms of bigs. Like, put a plus rebounder in there. Like, put Josh Minot at the three and just see if he can grab some boards. You know, I think those are the types of adjustments that that's an area Chris Finch could, could um, I think, could could just see if he could have a little bit more of an open mind this season, whether that's Minot or the rookie Leonard Miller or even at times Luca Garza, although he's more of just a straight, like, go in there and bang and get a couple rebounds. But Miller and Minot are going to get you those 50-50 balls with their length, athleticism, their want to. Yes, Luca Garza has want to, but... He doesn't have the length, the athleticism, the speed, the ability to get to all these balls. He's not switchable defensively. Like rebounding, great. Like Luca Garza, he can play if some other guys are out missing. But Miller and Minet are the types of guys that can get you those loose balls, that can be competitive on every possession uh, because of their athletic gifts, their skill sets. Um, all of the above are reasons why I'm excited that those guys are are on the fringe of the rotation. It's so much better for those guys to get the opportunity then say, like, I like Austin Rivers. There's still a chance he's back on minimum deal. We'll see. But, I mean, he was a little too small, a little too old, a little too limited to to really make that same impact, right? Bryn Forbes was never going to. He was a terrible defender, and he didn't make threes in a Wolves uniform. Like, those were your... Those are the guys that we're now saying are not part of this this do-stuff category off the bench. Mine at Miller, and to a lesser extent, potentially when no more junior, are all guys that could fill that role. And, and I... I I repeat it a lot because it's it's what missed one of the main things that was missing from the the Pat Bavando Timberwolves of 22-20 or excuse me 21-22 to last year's version of the Wolves 22-23 and now with Rudy Gobert anchoring the defense they should actually have more latitude to to be a little bit riskier and the Wolves the Wolves were a good defense last year so I don't I don't want to I'm not as much talking about straight half court defense as I am transition defense getting hands in passing lane hustling back chase down blocks etc and defensive rebounding, turning defense into offense. Those are the areas that we'll struggle with most last year. And guys like Minot, Miller, Moore, um, Alexander Walker, to a lesser extent, Troy, well, not necessarily a lesser extent, Troy Brown Jr. fits that mold too. Those are all um, pieces that will improve those areas of the Timberwolves for the season. All right, that's all we got for you today on the show. We're going to kind of morph into some summer league discussion. Of course, we uh, are looking forward to seeing Letter Miller in Summer League, Josh Minot, Wendell Moore Jr. Um, those guys will be, we'll talk about them a lot for the next week on the show. The Wolves' first Summer League game is uh, Friday afternoon. So we'll talk Thursday and Friday. We'll break down the roster, get you caught up on like who's on the team that that isn't a Wolves draft pick beyond Miller, Minot, Moore. Uh, Mateo Spaniolo will play, of course, second round pick from last year. There's also a couple of guys that played on the Iowa Wolves this year, like Philip Wheeler. Um, there's other guys that, uh, uh, Brian Bowen, the second has been around for a while with, in the Wolves organization, guys that played on the Timberwolves summer league entry last summer too, or actually for the last couple of years. So lots of familiar ish names, and then also some newer undrafted guys that are going to get an opportunity to play. So I want to get you familiar with the roster here over the next few day, days as we prepare for 
Timberwolves Summer League. First game Friday afternoon. Game two is next Monday evening. So a lot to talk about here um, in the next week or so. A big thank you to those that do make Locked Out Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. You can also watch on uh, the Locked On Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can follow on Twitter, Locked On T Wolves, and also at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.